Hear these words from Psalm 71. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to all the generations to come. Your power and your righteousness, O God, reach the high heavens. You who have made me see many troubles and calamities and will revive me again from the depths of the earth. You will bring me up again. May God bless the readings of these words. Ten years ago this month, my father lay dying in their home in Midwest City, Oklahoma. And at that time, I used to keep a blog. It's still around, but I just don't post much anymore on it. But um, I did a series called Lessons I'm Learning in Death, Dying, and Grief. And I think when I was thinking about this particular sermon today, and and I'm thinking uh, about all of those things from aging and illness to death and fearing God, that I learned a lot from that moment in my life. And so as my dad was aging, he was a very active man. He used to walk everywhere. He would hitchhike from don't do that, kids. He would hitchhike from Texas to California and back because that's where the families lived, and, and he would walk to work even a couple of miles. He was a very mobile person. And so when the time came in his life that he could no longer walk, he still tried to um, kind of get mobile a bit with, with his wheelchair, but just really wasn't conducive for his kind of roaming, not that anyone would have let him. And so he was sad that he couldn't do all of those things that he used to do. And he got kind of frustrated. And I think for him, it was kind of like the, the dad in uh, grumpy old men or grumpier old men that I think God has forgotten me. He felt he had outlived his usefulness. He felt that um, there was nothing more for him, so why didn't God just take him? The fact of the matter was he wasn't finished teaching his children. He taught us a great many things in his life, and he lived a long and wonderful life. And I think that for him, his faith was at the root of all of it. He taught me faith not by telling me what to believe in, but by living it. He taught me true devotion to God because I watched him pray. I watched him live out his faith in his interactions with people. He would give you the shirt off his back. He would help anyone. And we weren't always doing that great ourselves. And I see the lessons that he was teaching me right up until the very end. I think that for me it was a really hugely traumatic time because I was moving from a congregation I loved 
My youngest was graduating from high school and would soon be going off to college. And in the midst of all of this, my father lay dying at the end of his life. And so I would travel a couple of times a week to go see him and to sit with him and and to see my mother at this time. And my sister and brother did the same thing. And there's one particular moment I will never forget. He would have these conversations with people in the room that we couldn't see. And he would be talking and laughing, and it was just amazing to watch him carry on these conversations and to respond, and we couldn't see the people there. But I believe in those last moments of our lives, the veil between this world and the next is the thinnest. And I think that sometimes we can have a foot in each camp, so to speak, with from here to there. And I think prior to this time, I was a little uncertain of what came after this life. What did it what did it look like? What did it mean? What it was it? Everybody has these questions, and the Bible has lots of different illustrations to help us understand it. But I know for him, what all that mattered was that he was going to meet Jesus. For him, he was going home. He wasn't clinging too much to this world, just the people in it. But he was going home. And so if you are dealing with all of these things, I'd just um, be happy to point you in the direction of those lessons that I have been learning in death, dying, and grief. Uh, but I think the biggest one is it's not something we fear. It has a lot of emotions that go with it. It has the emotions of grief, and grief, unfortunately, is the price we pay to love someone deeply and to be loved deeply by someone. And so when we think about missing our loved ones, when we think about losing someone closest to us, it strikes fear and terror in our hearts. I've sat with people who were constant in their church attendance, good in their discipleship, faithful people who on their deathbed worried what happened next. As we get older, I think our understanding of what happened shifts. As we age and our bodies begin to fail us, not do what we want them to do, we can't do what we once did anymore. As we continue through that process, getting, you know, to leave this body behind isn't such a bad idea. But as we go on in this process and we see our parents, we see our grandparents, we worry. And I can't think of what I'm doing anymore. Well, she's going to come in here anyway. Do I need to go head her off? Ten years ago this month, 
my father lay in his bed in Midwest City, Oklahoma, actively dying. At that time, I was writing a blog pretty regularly, and I worked through a lot of what I was feeling and experiencing and observing through a series of blog posts called Lessons I'm Learning in Death, Dying, and Grief. I think that my father taught me a great deal right up until his last days because he was always that person of faith. He was the person that didn't teach me so much by words, but he taught me a great deal by actions. He knew that he, I, you know, my mom was there with the Bible and, and teaching me things, and he just remained faithful. I would watch him pray and read the Bible. I watched him in his devotion of a God he loved. I watched him live out his discipleship by caring for others. He would have given you the shirt off his back if he thought you needed it. He taught me a great deal about living a life of faith. And in his last week, he taught me a lot about dying in a life of faith. You see, we say these words, we have these times and these moments when we imagine what heaven must be like. But we imagine. The Bible has given us some pictures uh, and descriptions and illustrations of things to think about and perhaps and what ifs. But I have found, uh, being a pastor for the past 20 years, that everybody has their own understanding of what it's like in heaven. Some people um, see that family reunion coming um, as one of the greatest things ever. Some people see the, their loved one as sitting behind, by a, a pond in heaven and fishing because that's what they like to do, and they had their dog that they loved dearly with them. Everyone has their understanding and idea of what heaven must be like. But I think in those last moments of my father's life, I realized a couple of things. One is he lay there in his bed, he would have conversations. Now, there was my mother and my sister and brother, as well as myself and all of our families there at that time. But he was having conversations with people we couldn't see. And he would interact and respond. He would pause and he would start laughing. He would smile. He would shake his head. He was having a conversation with people we could not see. And I think for him, that veil between here and there, and I think it's the same for everybody. I think it's true for all of us, that when we get to that moment in our life, that the veil becomes thin, and we can see into both worlds. And I think that's a gift. So as my father progressed in his um, illness at the time, I was thinking back to a time that he was, he was not 
happy with the ripe old age that he had, uh, had gotten to. You see, my father in his youth walked a great deal. He walked um, and would hitchhike, walking from Texas to California and back. In those days, hitchhiking wasn't as dangerous. He would walk to work, even if it was three miles away, and walk back home, even in the hottest summer. He was always mobile. And at the end of his life, he got to the point where he had had a series of strokes and he had fallen and it left him unable to walk. And I think that broke his heart more than anything. He was kind of captive. And I think he felt that, you know, he was just ready to go. And so, as he was at the end of his life and having those conversations, I believe he saw loved ones that had gone on before, and I believe he saw Jesus. And I know for him, that was going home. He was going home. He had no ties to this world that no longer uh, afforded him the ability to walk to the body that had chained him down. He had ties to the people in this world. But he was going home. And he would drop that old body down and be free. And I know that's what he was looking forward to. You know, when we're younger, we do not give a whole lot of thought to our own mortality unless something happens in our life that brings it into stark reality for us. Sometimes it will be a friend or loved one who has um, had a disease, died from a disease or in an accident. A lot of times it's that we have had a near miss, and we realize that we're not as invincible as we once thought we were. But as we age, and as our bodies age, we recognize that this body is going to fail us. From the moment we are born into this world with all the hope and promise that brings, our bodies are growing, and they begin to decay even when we're young. We don't like to think about that with our young. We don't like to think that in that moment that we take our first breath, there's a period of time that we get to live and live life to its fullest. In this psalm that I read, we were talking about aging and how God was there from old age to gray hairs, even in youth, God was there. I think as we age, it's important to recognize what we're afraid of. For my father, it was a fear that he was not going to be able to do those things that he loved. I think that's true for all of us. As we age, we begin wondering what we can do. Are we really useful or helpful? 
I know my father wanted to fly away, as he said. But he was teaching me lessons until the very last days of his life. He was so useful and so helpful. So know that. God has a purpose for us as long as we're on this side. And there's things for us to be doing. Some of us fear aging and illness and the pain that it brings. And I totally understand fearing pain. Now, we've had some great advances in medicine that can help uh, relieve some of this pain. But there's other pain. There's pain of heartbreak and pain of depression. Not just pain in our bodies or our joints as we get older. We fear perhaps coming face to face with God. I've known people who were lifelong members of the church that I was serving. They were faithful in their attendance. They were faithful in what they were doing in their discipleship. And it still got to that point in their life where they were facing the end of it. And they were still worried about what would happen when they met God. I personally see God as a God of love, unconditional love, like we would see our children. And I know that God's deepest desire is that we have this relationship with God, that we are, um, we love God as much as humanly possible for us. We can never outdistance God's love for us. But this relationship is what God seeks. I don't think there's a checklist that God goes by of, did you do this or did you not do that? I think a lot of us are afraid at the end of life and meeting God with our regrets. What if we weren't good enough? Here's the, the great thing. You are perfect in God's eyes. And you can e be even more so as you live into this promise and potential that God sees in each of us. Of course we're human. Of course we're going to make mistakes. Of course there are things that we are going to regret. But I don't believe that the God who loves us will get us to heaven and say, which scale is heavier? I believe that when we are face to face with God, God smiles. And so if nothing I have said to you, you hold on to, know this, from the moment you are born, you are God's. As you get older, much like children who are trying to establish their independence, we often pull away from God. And God still loves us. Often we go about our own lives forgetting having anything to do with God. Perhaps we've even rejected our faith. 
and God still loves us. I have no doubts about this. And so I know that as we talk about the last fear in this series, a fear of the future, of what pain or suffering or worry it may bring. Throughout our entire life, God has been there to walk with us. The Spirit has been there to guide us. And God's love has gone with us. How will you respond to this great love of God that holds you close even when you don't realize it? How will you respond to the God who loves you deeply? I just encourage you to remember that these feelings God has for everybody, even those people that we don't have those feelings for. As long as we are breathing, there is always hope and potential, and God loves us. And so as we conclude this series on being unafraid, know this. We can live with courage and hope in these uncertain times because we know that God is with us. And apart from that, our hearts will fear And perhaps we will fear the future. So be unafraid. Live unafraid with courage and hope. And know that God goes with you. Amen. Following the benediction, please stay tuned. There are some announcements that follows uh, the goodbye slide. And so hopefully you'll... Find more information about St. Paul's there. Now go forth in grace and peace, living with courage and hope in uncertain times, and know that God goes with you. Amen.